Welcome to episode 119 of Just Another Knicks fan hosted by your host, Jack F. Yes, sir. Watched that Philly game yesterday, and the first half was looking cool. First half was looking all right. He's running about 12. Tobias Harris had it going. And then the third quarter, you know, things tipped towards Miami's favor. Still only an eight-point game going into the fourth quarter. Still only a 10-point game. With about like eight minutes left, so still within striking distance, but the Heat turned it up another notch. And yes, um, James Harden's my guy, but uh, you should have. I've been a tad bit more aggressive in the fourth quarter, but um, definitely could have used some help outside of Tobias Harris and Maxie, obviously. But um, I'm watching ESPN this morning, and you know they're showing footage of Harden getting clamped up. And he did play good defense on him. I'm not going to take that away. But <clears throat> you're also showing footage of James Harden being fouled. And act like he didn't get fouled on those three-point shots. Like, yo, it's clear as day that Bam out of the bio, you know, hit him on the wrist, hit him on the elbow. And that should have been three free throws. And to call that other bullshit offensive foul on him. And that's another five points. I mean... Five points is five points. I'm not saying him having 21 points is any different than him having 16. I'm not saying that would have been the outcome of the game, but you never know. You never know. But you can't be showing footage of him getting fouled and say that's getting clamped up. It's a clear foul. But Tim Legs, um, the ESPN analyst, he was spot on. Um, he predicted, like, yo, if we're talking about James Harden tomorrow instead of Tyrese Maxey, that means it's not a good thing, but... I feel like, yeah, I always got to be more aggressive, though. We can't be on this cool shit. I mean, he played a good first half. I mean, Sixers in general played a good first half. And then after that, it was just Tobias Harris keeping him in the game. And that was tough to watch the second half. You know, I'm a Knicks fan. But I do like Jimmy Butler, but I hate everybody else on that Heat team for some reason. But, um, you know, Harden, obviously, I want to win. But um, I need him to put more... Put, Put more, put up more of a fight than he did yesterday. At least in the second half, I can't. You ha- I can't have you only scoring four points and expect the Sixers to win. And whether you got a one point lead or you got a ten point lead, dogs like you, you got to show up, man. And um, like I said, I mean some things worked. Right? I think in the first half, I don't know if they ran out of gas. I just felt like the Heat just wanted it more than the Sixers in the second half. Sort of felt like and. I feel like that's why the game got out of control uh, in the fourth quarter. Because it's 72 to 80. It's not an insurmountable lead. And and then the following game, I saw like the first half. And once Chris Paul started hitting those shots. And for the Mavs, it was basically uh, Luka and Maxi Kleber getting most of the... I was just having some coffee real quick, my bad. Um, most of the offense, Kleber had about five three-pointers. He made a free throw. And Luka had the rest, like 28 points. I knew the Mavs were in for a long night. Um, Brunson didn't you know, perform up to his normal standards, but that's expected, man. He had a brilliant first round. You're bound to have a, a, a regular game type shit. But Felix, Phoenix, Phoenix looks like they're about it right now. I ain't going to hold you. I mean, if they play like that, dogs. 
lot of teams are gonna have a hard time beating them. Um, but that game on, on Sunday, also the Grizzlies and um, Warriors. That was a lit ass game. A lit ass game. And the Celtics Bucks game was was dry as hell. I mean, we had a good first half. It was a great start in the first half. Um, you know, the Celtics were up seven. Shit went downhill after that Jalen Brown put back. I will say that once Jalen Brown got that put back, I was like, oh, somebody be lit. But I actually wasn't, to be honest. I went downhill, the Bucks sort of took over. And the you know, Celtics remained close. They remained close. They remained close. But they were never able to get the lead back. And since they were unable to get the lead back, you know, the Bucks went on another run. And the Celtics never recovered from that. But honestly, as um, basketball, it just felt weird. I don't watch the Celtics as often, but you know, I did watch them in the first round. You know, get busy against the Nets. But um, I never really seen Jalen Brown like that shaky. Like I seen him have decent games and great games, and but he just, just seemed a bit shaky out there. That shit had me fucked up. Like why he looking like that? You know, but. You know, Jalen Brown, I mean, Tatum, Tatum was just playing his game. Shit wasn't really going his way. So, I remember the first game of the season against the Knicks, Tatum was like 7 for 30, bro. Missing everything. And and it still took double overtime to beat the Celtics. And that's because Jalen Brown was playing out of his mind that game. Couldn't miss anything. For like the first four quarters and the first overtime, they started missing dunks and layups in the second overtime, which helped us. I'm gonna pull out that first victory of the season against the Seas. But those next games in the Garden against the Celtics in Madison Square Garden, the, the only garden that we acknowledge, those are some lit ass games. Some lit ass games. Uh, it was weird seeing the Celtics in that fine state of just. They seemed a bit disengaged. You know, um, I guess they were very. I mean, I would be too. You sweep the Nets, dog. You swept KD and Kyrie. You just swept um, the two. Like you had LeBron, Wade, Tracy McGrady. Just give them KD and Kyrie the highest praise of 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 a of a, a tandem of a duo. You know um, that they're the most talented and skilled duo of all time. And then a week later, your team sweeps them. So I mean, I'll be feeling myself too a bit, and I I think. Game one was like a, a humbling thing. It's a wake up call for us. He's like, yo, just because you know, y'all beat the Bucks, it doesn't mean that. Um, I mean, y'all beat the Nets, that the Bucks are going to be a cakewalk because at the same time, we do know Middleton is not going to be available for the second round of the playoffs. And you got to see how the, the Bucks adapt. You know, obviously. It got to be a little bit disheartening that Giannis didn't really have his best game, even though he did have a triple double. That that the season got smoked, and sometimes it just be like that, yo. There's no tape. There's no like. I didn't think Drew Holiday was gonna get it cracking like that. He came out the gate two threes, whoop whoop, and sometimes they say like the wounded dog. You don't want to battle against the wounded dog. I guess the Bucks are a prime example of that right now. Cause it's it's hard to game plan on when certain players are injured because you don't know how who's gonna step up. But like all of last postseason against the Nets, I remember Drew Holiday was like probably shooting like twenty percent from the field. He'd be like four for eighteen, three for nine. Like he had some wacky 
shooting percentages, shooting games against the Nets. But, you know, in that game seven, he was having a bad shooting game then too. But in the last three minutes of that game, and over time, he started making shots. You know, he always made his free throws. So that was a plus for the for the Bucks. But I guess when you could get a good game out of a good game out of Drew offensively, you're definitely gonna appreciate that. And they got Brooke Low back. So I mean this team is and the team has championship DNA. So I'm not surprised that they won game one. I wouldn't be surprised if they won this series, but um I do expect the Celtics to somehow I I mean I predicted the Celtics to win the series, let's be honest. I got them in seven, but would I be surprised if the Bucks won now? But I feel like with the firepower that the, the Celtics have, um, the chemistry, I feel like they should build off what they did against the Nets. And they should be able to pull out this series. But if they don't, I'm not going to be surprised at the Bucks won. I mean, they got Greek Freak. They got the champ. They got Drew Holiday. And Drew Holiday is that player uh, similar of, of the Mike Conley and the Tayshaun Prince Elk. Um, Tayshawn Prince was underrated for like six years. Every year, every game on national TV, you're going to hit a Hubie Brown and uh, Bill Warren. You know, Yo, y'all don't know how underrated Tayshawn Prince is. Every game on TV, every game on TV. Y'all don't understand oh, you know, the things he does for his team defensively. Oh, he facilitates the offense. Oh, he can shoot the three. For six years, I had to hear that shit. And I'm thinking to myself, like, Yo, y'all don't think we... Uh, don't know this by now. Yeah, I've been saying this for like, I was 10 and now I'm 16. And then like, I guess as I got older, uh, it's crazy. I mean, Tayshaun Prince gets traded to the Grizzlies and who's on the Grizzlies? Mike Conley. Then he was the next underrated guy for the next five years. Oh, y'all don't understand how underrated Mike Conley is. The things that he does for his team. He facilitates the offense. He plays defense. Oh, for five years. I'm like, y'all don't think we get it by now that that this guy is underrated? So if someone is considered underrated and considered underrated by everybody, does that really make him underrated? Like, are you really underrated if everyone thinks that you're underrated? Hmm. 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 And then from there, I feel like Drew Holiday has taken the torch uh, for this underrated stuff for the last three years, four years. It's been four years. Um, every single um, every time, like you ask an NBA player, um, who was underrated? Like, oh, they gotta be Drew. Gotta be Drew. I don't understand the things that he does for his team. Uh, he's like this. He does. He's leadership. He plays defense. He facilitates the offense. Like the same shit I heard about Tayshaun Prince and Mike Conley. And I'm not saying that they didn't do that. I'm not saying Drew Holiday doesn't. That's obviously that he does do these things, but. Is he really underrated if everyone calls him underrated and we hear it damn near every other day that he's underrated? Like, how underrated is somebody that's considered underrated and we hear it on a daily basis? Is it really underrated? So, that's why when I see Drew Holiday, like, oh, yo, I think of everybody that called him underrated. And I'm thinking, like, there's no way this dude is underrated. And um, that's just my thoughts on that. I do remember the Pelicans. I mean, the Bucks gave up three first-round draft picks for Drew Holiday. It's already obviously worth the trade because they won a championship last year, and they got the chance to do it again this year. So it's gonna be very interesting, man. Uh, that's just my underrated rant, you know. 
um, players that are considered underrated. I feel like someone that's really underrated, we don't know that they're underrated because we don't know that they're berated at all. So I don't consider Drew Holiday underrated. I stopped considering Mike Conley underrated. And I'll never really consider Tayshawn Prince uh, underrated because we all know what they did. Just because they don't get the limelight, they don't get the shine, doesn't make them underrated. We all know who they is and what they do and how important they are for their team and all that good shit. But that Warriors Grizzlies game, that was a lit ass game. I mean, yo, Jordan not improved enough pool. It's it's out here, man. He's in full effect. You know, I actually like watching him play. I actually do like watching him play because he just be silky smooth with it on the court, and. Clay almost gave that game away, missing those free throws. I know he, I would have messed up his psyche tremendously if John Morant made that layup. And um, I ain't gonna lie, yo, his, his John Morant pops, he and the limelight heavy. You know whether that's a good or a bad thing, I don't really know. But I see him quite often, yo. I feel like I know the dude personally, but yeah, um, Jay Moore got ejected for the flagrant foul. Shit, was it? I don't know. I think it was a flagrant. Was it ejection worthy? I don't know. I don't think so. But, you know, J-Mo said to himself, like, his reputation precedes him. You know, the groin kicks, the leg kicks, the, you know, other shit he be doing, whatever. You know, it definitely probably fade a factor into it. There's no denying that. But um, then he tried to be cool about it when he got ejected. I was trying to, I don't know, whatever he shit he was on. But um, when I seen him do that, I, I know it got to him. Like, he tried to make it seem like the flip the script thing. Like, oh, I'm going to have fun with this. No, he was, he was hurting inside. And then, you know, I heard Brandon Clark talk about it. I ain't going to lie, yo, Brandon Clark, when I see him on the court, you know what I'm saying, homie look hella ferocious, like, in a good way, like, on basketball-wise, you know what I'm saying? Like, you want you want to, uh, someone that you root for. Of that Brandon Clark elk or whatever on the court. Motherfucker, play hard, son. You know what I'm saying? There's the things that he needs to do to help the Grizzlies do what they got to do. And I heard him talk in the post game. I was like, damn, I didn't know he sound like that. It wasn't about what he said. It's just the way he sounded, you know. But, you know, that series, obviously the Warriors got home court advantage now. But I still think this series is going 6 or 7 regardless. Because um, I don't see the Grizzlies backing down and... Yeah, Clay had a bad game, but so did like Dylan Brooks and oh, I forgot man, it was someone else. I mean Jaron Jackson had a hell of a game. I expect him to make all those threes. Jackson again for three. I was like, Oh shit, this motherfucker really letting these shits fly today. You know, John Moran had a decent game. I'm playing motherfucker at thirty four. He was balling. Um Dylan Brooks, like he played like ass. Bestman Bane play like ass. So, like, I hear a lot of people say, well, yo, Clay gonna have too many more bad games and Curry gonna have too many more bad games. And I'm like, yo, Desmond Bain and um, Dylan Brooks wouldn't perform to, like, their, uh, what they're capable of performing of. So, I, I don't look at it as that. They just lost that game. Oh, well, Trey Moore was out and, you know, like, mm, I don't really care. I mean, should the Warriors, I mean, Grizzlies won that game, yeah, but am I surprised? Like I said, no, but. I don't think it was like, oh, they're not going to have too many more of these bad games. You could use that shit for Desmond Bain and, and Dylan Brooks.
aka Iggy not seeing the vision. So it's gonna be a lit series. That's gonna be my favorite series to watch because I don't I don't know that Suns Mavs. It's a good matchup, but it's not like I don't know. You know, I'm not saying like, I don't really. I'm not really too drawn towards it right now. And then um, but I must have watched it, but like excited. Nah, this Grizzlies. Mavs, I mean, the Grizzlies Warriors shit is where it's at right now, bro. That's, that's the one, bro. That's the one. And, um, yeah. Notice I ain't mentioning the Knicks at all. Um, it's because, like, all this draft stuff, I don't really know what's going on, to be honest with you. I'm not familiar with cap situations and all of that cool stuff, but, you know, people asking me, oh, who you rooting for? Rooting for the Knicks. Whatever that shit means. And and that could include, like, maybe Jalen Brunson coming to the Knicks and maybe him being in a slump, which I don't know. Maybe it was the Jazz losing in the first round to the Mavericks and you could potentially get D-Mitch if the price is right. So I, I don't really know. That's the stuff I'm talking about. Uh, whatever... A uh, scenario that plays out good for the Knicks is what I'm cool with. Uh, regarding the outcome of this playoffs, obviously that's what I mean. Um, obviously, there's so much to think about with this roster that we have. Um, we have a log jam at the wing spot, the four spot, and then we have vets. We got young guys. We have an overload of vets. And all at the same time, we have an overload of young guys. Like, how do we balance this roster? And how do we, I guess, stay young and, and, and keep building from this and not try to, you know, mortgage the whole roster uh, for, or mortgage the whole team, yeah, mortgage the roster for, for a player and then have to essentially start the rebuild again. So, you know, we want the, the star player or whoever, whether it's in-house or we're bringing somebody in to, to be added, you know. We don't want, I don't want at least to get, like us to give up half of the roster for the for a missing piece. And now we need to somehow recreate the parts that we gave up. Um, that's what usually has happened in the past. And hopefully we don't steer towards that. And we find a way, you know, to build this team the right way. And... Like I said, if the price is right, I'll, I'll grab D. Mitch. If the price is right, I might give up a little extra for Zion. I know he's hurt, but I got faith in dude for some reason. So I'm gonna leave it at that, man. And that's episode one nineteen. Just another Knicks fan, hosted by your host Jack F. Pow pow.